1: Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire?
2: I am. I've been looking forward to rapid fire all
1: day. All right, so let's do it. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Michael Mayer has earned consensus All-American status in spite of not winning the Mackey
2: Award. It is laughably hypocritical that he has become an, all. you know, all uh, consensus means that you have to get majority vote from people who, you know, it's... You, there's not as many all-American voters as there are Heisman voters. I'm pretty sure, and so to get consensus, that means majority. So how can majority of you know people say that he's an all-American and, and consensus meaning you know probably best tight end in the country, yet he can't win the Heisman? So I just think, <laughs> to me, this proves my point that certain people need to have their Heisman ballots revoked because they're well not Heisman, but Mackie. I'm sorry, Mackie, Mackie. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting all these terms mixed up, but. These guys, some of their votes need to be revoked because there's a clear bias. And again, if you just look at the numbers, the grades, and all aspects of what it means to be a tight end, Michael Mayer has him beat in every category. And it seems that the All-American voters saw this, but for whatever reason, the Mackey voters didn't.
1: Yeah. And now to be clear, to be a consensus All-American, there are five major All-American teams. To be a consensus, you have to be an All-American in at least three, uh, a first-team All-American in at least three three of those five NCAA recognized All-American selectors. And so what that means, kind of what you were alluding to, is a vast majority of the people voting for these things (laughs) thought much more highly of Michael Mayer than the Mackey Award. You know, whatever committee or group or whatever happens to vote for that. So, you know, it would be great if Michael Mayer were walking out of college with the Mackey Award, which I think anyone who watched him play for the last three years would, uh, you know, would agree that he deserves. But at the same time, he'll walk out of here as a consensus All-American, and there's still in the uh, in the history of Notre Dame football, there's still a relatively short list of consensus All-Americans to come through Notre Dame. So it is still a monstrous achievement that Michael Mayer ended up accomplishing.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So Notre Dame has a great, they brought in a grad transfer kicker for a second straight year. And this one is Spencer Schrader from USF after they brought in, brought in, Blake Groupie last year. Do you buy or sell that they should just go the transfer route in most years rather than recruiting high school kickers?
2: Yeah, I, I think that it, it can be a nice hybrid combination of the both. And I say that because I think there's there's something to be said about signing a four year guy every two or three years that you're kind of developing in house. But unfortunately, you know, it it takes time for some of these kickers to get you know acclimated. To college football, so I don't think there's anything wrong. While with you're still developing, you know, maybe this younger guy and providing some sort of competition, but having a grad transfer guy who's done it before, right? Like groupie was the the number one scorer for his program all time. He's got he's you know he's tough as nails. He's mentally tough as nails. He's been in the big time situations before. I know he struggled a little bit this year, but you know, no kicker's perfect um unless you're Justin Tucker. But at the end of the day. I think there's a nice combination of signing a four-year guy out of high school every, you know, two or three years, but I don't think it's something that should be sought after every single season. And it's nice to have a, a, I guess you could say, um, like a fallback or kind of protection blanket with this grad transfer, who, you know, you can definitely rely on, you know, as the season goes on essentially.
1: Yeah. And I think that unless you are getting like the elite of the elite kicker, every year. And even then, you know, there, there have been some elite kickers who have, you know, not panned out well once they get to college, like get a guy who's tested, get a guy who's proven who's done it for three or four years already. Like these guys we're talking about, go out and get him. Not quite ready for the NFL, but he can still, you know, like this Schrader guy, he's booted a 52 yarder in his career, you know, and and as long as he's accurate and he's got a pretty good leg, you've got someone who's been in pressure situations and shown that he can do it at the college level already. I I think it's probably a pretty good route to go with with the portal, what it is right now. I think that it is a much more reliable route to go. And then like you said, rather than spending a scholarship on a high school kid, an unproven scholarship kid, maybe you do it you know, every second or third cycle while you can, you know, you continue to go out and kind of scour the transfer portal and, and bring in some veterans. Because, you know, the other thing is when you've got these young guys in your program, even though maybe you've, you know, you've got a veteran kicking in front of them, they still have plenty of practices to show what they can do. So you get a pretty good idea of what they can do over the course of the season. So I think the transfer portal is a good route to go. When you're talking about kickers,
2: side note: my favorite thing, you know, because everyone thinks kickers, you know, they show up. What is it really to do? You're just kicking for you know four or five periods of practice. One of my favorite things that we did in college is our coaches put pressure situations um, on our kickers, whether that be if they hit a 40-yard field goal, we're not doing conditioning today, or you know these type of things. It just talking about this kind of made me think about it. I like that aspect of (laughs) you know providing some of these kind of high leverage situations for these kickers um in practice.
1: Yeah. Uh Crystal wants to know when transfer players can come in. Basically, once the second s- semester begins, they can get here. And now technically, so like, you know, we were talking about Cassandra Prosper earlier. The second semester, I've been told, technically begins when finals end. So like, even though classes have not officially begun, you know, like if, if the football team To show up before the the second semester began and they were to start workouts, then a transfer could be there with them. You know, as long as he has been admitted and you know has all his paperwork, you know, ready to go and and all that kind of stuff, they can go. And like Cassandra Prosper, you know, she's going to start practicing with the team, and she's you know she's already joined the team and she's enrolled for the second semester. And as soon as finals are over, she is eligible to begin playing in games after that. And you know like they'll play Notre Dame plays this weekend at Virginia Tech. They play next Wednesday, yeah, a week from today against Western Michigan and then they will after the holidays, they will go down to Miami and that will be, you know, the first game after, you know, finals and everything are over. So she would technically be eligible to play at that point and it's the same for transfer. You know, again, like it I, it's not like you're going to plop in. I don't think that you could do it in the course of the, you know, football is a little different since there's, you know, a little bit of overlap there, you know, like if you were transferring in and that kind of stuff. But once the second semester begins is, uh, you know, you're pretty much good to go. Fill in the blank, Jess. You feel blank about Deion Sanders after his first couple weeks on the job at Colorado.
2: Uh, I feel, you know, I, I, I feel how do I, I, I feel just as uh, excited um, as I did. And I think that he's already proven, you know, he's going to go out and get his guys. I know Dylan Edwards, you know, it, it was whether you want to say it was, you know, big recruit or not, Dylan Edwards was a number two player in Kansas and number 10 nationally in a position. And is definitely a speedster. So, you know, I don't think really anything has changed with, with Deion Sanders and, and the situation at Colorado. And, and in fact, I think if anything, it's improved. I think, that we're only going to see more and more of this, especially, you know, once the season officially ends and we see the transfer portal, you know, the days in which the transfer portal closes, I think you're going to see a lot more guys deciding to go um, towards Colorado. But I am I am just as excited, if not more excited, for what's ahead for Deion Sanders at Colorado. I, I know that he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I love his swagger. I love his enthusiasm. And I love that, he you know, he ultimately he wants to win. And as your head coach, there's nothing more than you want to play for a guy who wants to win at any cost, and I think that's what Dean Sanders wants to do.
1: Yeah, and I mean he's going to be trouble. You know, like this guy was one thing when he was down there at Jackson State, and he was, you know, re- recruiting at you know FCS level and HBCU and all that kind of stuff. Even if he swiped a big time recruit away from Florida State, like you know Notre Dame has already felt the effect right now, and he's going to be he's going to be a major issue in recruiting you know like Colorado is going to become a new factor in recruiting so you know I I still like everything that he's bringing for him but it, it definitely stings a bit more when you are impacted right away like when the first big get that Deion Sanders is able to land you are the school the kid decommits from and that of course Dylan Edwards you know and being Notre Dame but you know the guy had already committed to Kansas State prior to that as well. So he decommitted from a couple of different schools before ultimately committing to Deion Sanders. But he's going to use that NIL and he's going to go out and get them. He told those guys right away. So I saw, I don't know if you saw this. You with.
2: I don't know if you saw this, but Dylan Edwards actually was coached by Deion Sanders before this I was reading an article he I had
1: not seen that
2: when he was younger from like second grade you know up to a certain grade Deion Sanders was his youth football coach and his Dylan Edwards father was a coach with Deion Sanders on that team so there was this relationship went back and I think that it, it should be no shock that he ended up kind of switching. Because I think if if he wasn't at Jackson State, I think he was going to go wherever Dion was at. And I think he largely considered going down to Jackson State. But once he finally got into that power five with a bigger name and, and you know, basically knowing that Dion's going to clean slate, Dylan Edwards can be that guy immediately, you know, and have an impact.
1: It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And Anthony says, Colorado's going to be in trouble soon. They're overpaying for Dion. And where is his salary and the NIL money coming from? Well, does anybody know where anybody's NIL money is coming <laughs> from? I mean, it's like, yeah, come on. That's it's part That's of why it's suggesting. a giant mess. They implemented this thing that they had no idea how to deregulate. The NCAA just wanted to look away and not deal with it for years and years and years, and then they had their hand forced. And you're just in a mess of a situation right now. That's what it comes down to. Fair or foul. Falcons quarterback Marcus Mariota ghosting his team after he was benched in favor of Desmond Ritter.
2: This is a hundred percent foul. Come on, Marcus Mariota. You've you've been a career backup, right? Like you 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 got your chance as a starter, and, and let's be realistic, the reason why you got a shot at Atlanta is because the guy that's been there for X amount of years left and desmond ritter wasn't ready and so they kind of picked you up as a pity type situation because they (laughs) needed someone with an experience to run out there and play quarterback Mm -hmm. so you know the the falcons are in a crappy division and they still can't do much and so at this point in the season why not run out the the young guy who who you know you you can potentially develop and you don't know what he's got compared to marcus Mariota, who's again has been around and been a career backup like i mean come on it's just so immature what do you what did you like, what did you hope would gain you would gain out of that? Do you think other teams are going to want to, you know, pick you up now? Because as soon as they told you you're not, you know, QB two or QB one or QB three, right. you're just going to ghost them. I, I just completely a joke. You know, it, it's a hundred percent foul.
1: Now, absolutely, and I mean, just like you said, this guy has bounced around already. He was given an opportunity, one of the better opportunities that he has had in his time in the NFL. It's a bad division; they're not winning enough. And it, and it's a completely winnable division for that matter. And he got benched. A lot of guys get benched. You, you know, it, it's like you're making a lot of money. You're just going to pull the plug and cut and run and, and run away from the team. It's just like it's 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 so low. It, it should be it should be so below a professional quarterback to try to pull something like this and i just i i couldn't believe it when i saw that, that that's what Mar- marcus Mariota decided to do
2: yeah and then jason smith just made a great point and he's been making some good points i think throughout the entire show it'd be different if he was balling out and going crazy and, and you know the the the, right. the falcons were a contender well, like in he was playing division. great and they benched him yeah <laughs> there's just no reason to continue to run a guy out there when you have a younger guy at this point in the season yeah well
1: and then jason said that Mariota's getting a procedure on his knee. Maybe that's pride kicking him in the knee, you know, it's,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm benched. I've now literally, I, I have literally seen
1: college athletes who were not performing well and went to, you know, got basically second opinion upon third opinion to find someone who said, Oh yeah, you know, you've got a shoulder problem or you've got whatever, you know, basically kept going and, and seeking more opinions until they found a doctor who would say, "Oh yeah, you need to to rest for a while." And it's basically just because their pride was getting hurt because they, you know, were not performing well at all.
2: I, I like this question too uh, by Irish Shytown, Now that we're kind of talking about it, any thoughts on how bad the NFC South has been this season? I mean, ultimately, what it turns down to is you have, you know, you got you got a bad Tampa Bay team that doesn't have a, as great of a defense. They have a banged up wide receiver corpse a very old quarterback um, and an offensive line that's been banged up. And then the rest of the teams are going through transitions, right? Like Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, and, you know, Carolina, none of those teams have quarterbacks. They're all going through, you know, transition and quarterback after having guys who had been there for a while. And then also you got to look at the coaching turnover with all these teams. Carolina hasn't had a consistent coach. New Orleans has a coach, uh, you know, bringing a new coach after Sean Payton had been there for so long. And of course with Atlanta too, you know they're well, going to change coach. coaches
1: too for that matter. Right. You know, and so all these the
2: teams are really going through the same common denominator of, you know, new coaches, new quarterbacks, etc. So it's it's not surprising that they're bad. It, I guess it's just surprising that all the te- all four teams well, are this bad. <laughs> and
1: that's the thing. It's it's most surprising like Tampa should be running away with the division right now. They should have 10 or 11 wins right now with Tom Brady as the quarterback. But it, again, you know, we've talked about Tom Brady and like you, you, you think that he's going to keep on playing. And like we were talking about, <laughs> should he go back to New England and all it's like, it's the writing is starting to be there on the wall. I understand Tom Brady wanting to continue to play, but this is part of why, like, it, all he's going to be do is doing is chasing it at this point. You get a little bit older, your body breaks down a little bit more every year. Time catches up with everybody. and. He wanted to get out last year. He he probably knew it was time to get out. Then he had started having second doubts right away. But then he you the know ego. he signed he signed this TV contract. Ultimately, he comes back to Tampa Bay, even if he wanted to go to Miami or San Francisco, or whatever. But Tampa should be running away with the division right now, and the whole division is sub five hundred. It's just <laughs> it's pathetic, is what it is.
2: It's the NFC East of a few years ago.
1: Yeah, that's right. SI Sports Media podcast host and columnist Jimmy Trainer says, it's time to get rid of the in-game rules analysts because they don't tell us anything that we can't see with our own eyes. Do you buy or sell that?
2: I actually buy this, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, I, I get, yes, there's a lot of stuff that we see with our own eyes, but we don't know the nitty-gritty fine details of the rules, right? Like, we don't know the nuances and the intricate rules, which I appreciate The thing I have the biggest issue with is you see something blatantly with your eyes. You see the commentators saying what they think you see the rules. Analysts say what they think. And then often the call is a hundred percent completely different than what everyone just talked about. So that's where I have the biggest issue is, is you have these analysts come in and say, Oh, well, by the rules definition, this should be a catch. And then you see the the referee come back after further review, that is no longer a catch. And it's like, so what are we doing here? If you're the rules analyst, why aren't you the guy talking to the refs right now?
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I'd say probably one out of every four times they actually tell us something that we don't know. But I completely buy what Drayna what is saying, because too many times these guys that, you know, they're ex-officials themselves. And so they go on TV they get asked a question about what's going on in the field, and the first thing they want to do is start backpedaling. They don't want to give an opinion because they don't want to be wrong on TV. Oh, and they first don't want their
2: call to differ from what's going to get called ultimately.
1: Exactly, exactly. So they're, they're like trying to explain away what's actually going to be called rather than give their opinion on what should be called. Be, just because of what you said, they don't want to second guess the officials on the field you're probably they're probably getting paid better money than the guys down <laughs> on the field. They should be giving us more than what they're giving us. If they're going to be there, they should actually be there for a reason. Yeah, and John is is correct as well. They do get it wrong often. And, you know, say something. If you're going to be there, say something. And they're Just not be saying bold it. in
2: what you say. That's
1: right. I mean, Mike Pereira, you know, he was like Cutting edge when they did it. And I still think he's the best one as well. I think he is far and away the best one, especially for what he does, trying to keep an eye, you know, on all those different games sitting there in the Fox Studios and all that stuff. I think, I think there's no one even close to uh to Pereira for what he does. Mm -hmm. Last question tonight. And I heard this one on another podcast as well, the Ringers Press Box podcast with Brian Curtis. So an author named Dominique Lapierre, he has passed away. But he and a friend of his owned adjacent homes on the French Riviera that were divided by a tennis court. So you've got a house on one side, house on the other side, tennis court in the middle. So here's my question, Jess. When we strike it rich, where will we own the adjacent homes and what will be the shared space that divides the properties?
2: Uh I think if we're gonna do it, we gotta do it big. I, I think we gotta go outside of the United States. I'm not a fan of Florida or the East Coast or you know, the West Coast is nice, but it gets really hot, you know, out in the summertime and it's hot year round. So for me, and I thought about this because i I you know I, I haven't been to a bunch of places internationally. I've been to a few, but I know there's a place you like, and I think it's a place that I would like, and I think they have great beer, and I think we could definitely <laughs> settle over in Germany somewhere somewhere nice, uh, and hit a nice, you know, if we strike it rich out there. And I think what would ultimately divide us is, you know, you, we're not playing tennis. We're not going to be out there, you know, uh, what are we going to do on a football field? You know, run on (laughs) it, you know, put on some pads potentially. Right. Right. To me, I think what we need to share is a common, a very large pool in, in which that we can ride around on jet skis. We can ride around on a boat. We can go fishing.
1: That would be I, a very large pool if we're jet skiing and boating.
2: <laughs> that's what pool. I mean. But we've stroke it. We we've we've Sounds like maybe a lake
0: point. needs to divide us. We, we would we definitely. would own
2: our own mini lake at that point somewhere in Germany, and we'd have beer on keg whenever we want. And I think that we'd go out into the water and enjoy it every day. I that's ultimately well, what I would do.
1: The problem with that is it gets a little bit cold in Germany in the in the uh, in the winter <laughs> time. So I would, you know, I like, I like where you're going. The beer would definitely be primo if we went to Germany so that, you know, that, that is a plus. Um, I, you know, I was thinking like, you know, a little bit further South, you know, like maybe Z Watson AO, you know, like Andy and red in, uh, in Shawshank redemption, you know, down in Mexico someplace. And then we could still just have that, you know, pool that divides the house or, you know, whatever a body of water that happened to be in the middle. And, you know, I suppose if we were had enough money to actually own the property down there, we could just import our beer from Germany.
2: (laughs) At that point, yeah. (laughs) And then if it gets too cold in Germany, we just put on the ice skates and you know get a net and start shooting some hockey pucks out there. I don't know. Yep.
1: I agree. I agree. All right. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you guys and gals for joining us here tonight. As always, gonna have a little bit different show tomorrow. The boss is gonna be joining. Tomorrow. No, I'm not talking about Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Brian <laughs> Driscoll is going to be with me at the start of the show tomorrow night. And then uh, Tom Noy from the Tribune is going to come in. We'll talk a little men's basketball as well. So we'll have a little football talk at the beginning with Brian. And then uh, Tom and I will have some men's basketball talk. And uh, if you have men's basketball questions that you want to throw in tomorrow night for Tom, of course, you can bring those as well so and then we'll have rapid fire of course after that and then friday you know i I guess i should mention because we were talking about on last night's show about the possibility would we change the time and all that kind of stuff the people have spoken we did a twitter poll (laughs) and we did the champions lounge vote and champions lounge ended up you know getting some late votes coming in and it ended up being a little bit closer than i thought i think it was uh Maybe like 69% to 31% or something like that. But uh, keeping it at 6 o'clock is the way we're go- going to go ultimately. That's the way the votes went. So we'll stay at 6 o'clock with the exception of Fridays when Jesse and Vince and I do the special rapid fire at 5 o'clock on Fridays. So looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, just a couple of closing thoughts for for those of you who haven't, you know, maybe listened or follow Tom Noy. He's a great person, great and very insightful Um, and and I think that'll be a a treat for a lot of listeners tomorrow. So I I highly recommend getting into the show. You're getting a great, you know, great show with Brian, and then of course Tom coming in. And then the last thing I want to say is, you know, there's a running competition. We still need a name for our rapid fire show on Friday. And I will be I will be handing out a prize to who who can provide (laughs) the best show. And
1: we had a good one earlier this week. I think it was Milton. It was uh I, I can't remember it, how I should have written it down. He put it in here, but uh, yeah. So there will be. There, so you're still putting the prize up for the winner of the name of the 100%. show.
2: Percent. I will pick the winner, or we as a group will collectively pick the winner. You give me your address, and there will be something showing up to your to your door as a prize for for picking. You know, this is going to be a hot segment going forward. So we need a hot name for it.
1: That's right. All right. So we'll be back at the regular time tomorrow. Friday Frenzy. Tavis. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one, Tavis. Tavis McKay. (laughs) He got it in there twice. As soon as he heard
2: prize, he's like, I got to get this in there. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. Okay, well, hit the like button if you would before you leave tonight. We appreciate you stopping in. Great questions tonight in the mailbag. And we will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk.